Take your Bibles if you have them and go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians as we've been walking through this text um, for a couple of weeks now, a couple of months now in 2 Corinthians. And we made our way uh, down to chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. Paul is talking over the last couple of weeks as we have been in this book and confessing the integrity that he has in the Lord as he's teaching, as he's reaching this church with the gospel of Jesus, he's being accused uh, of teaching something that is contrary to the gospel, and he's been defending himself, defending the truth. Many are coming to know Christ. Uh, many are straying towards a false theology and a false teaching. And Paul is trying, just like today. Things have not changed today. We as believers in Christ, we stand for the truth of the Word of God, not just for believers, but at the same time, those that are straying away, our desires for them to come back to the knowledge of Christ. The Scripture says... In, uh, in 2 Corinthians, I told you to turn there, and, uh, and I didn't, but I'm there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 says, We then, as workers together with Him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of of salvation. Yesterday I had the privilege to go back to Corinth, to a former place of ministry, and preach a funeral of the oldest man that was in my former church. Uh, he was a man who lived his life uh, as, as a soldier of Christ. He was a World War II veteran. Hey, when he came back from the war, he started a business there in Corinth, a heating and air company, and, uh, and just was a, was a great man of integrity. So about yesterday morning around 9 o'clock, Joe Lee and I, uh, just for, uh, uh, Joe Lee has some friends in Corinth, so of course anytime I go that way, I've got to take her with me. We left and we wasn't on Interstate 55. And Joe Lee from the back of the seat, Joe Lee's starting to talk a little more. And it's encouraging. And she says, almost there? I thought, no. Nope. <laughs> Try again. We're about two and a half hours away. If you can just sit back and rest. She says, rest. I said, yeah, that means go to sleep. And she says, oh, okay. She didn't do that. So about, about halfway there, we have to stop. We want to go to the restroom. and uh, uh, I had to get, get Dr. Pepper and Butterfinger. That's just the, 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 road, the road food. And as we get back into the truck, she says it again. Almost there? And I said, this time, almost. Just rest. Okay, rest. So we pull into the Shell Station there in Corinth where I was dropping her off to some of our friends who were going to take her out to eat. And before we pulled up in there, she recognized some of the surrounding areas of Corinth. And she says for the third time, almost there. I said, yes. We are almost there. In fact, we are here. And I pulled up in there and dropped her off. And as I thought about that, I went home yesterday without her. That We're going to get her back this afternoon. As I was driving home, thinking about this message and thinking about the day that God was going to give us today, if He tarried and He did, which means we still have a purpose here on this life to, to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our life, we are almost there. And the Scripture says, now is the time. For some of you, you don't have that relationship with Jesus. And you are almost there. 
You've come to this place of worship and you've heard the great music that has just lifted us to the throne of God, how Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is the chief cornerstone. He's Lord of all. And you are almost there. All you have to do is to respond to the gospel invitation that is given. And guess what? Now is the time. And for some, you've accepted Christ like many in the church of Corinth has and you're, you're, you're walking with Christ. You're not quite there yet. In fact, just like some of the people in Corinth, you may be straying in sin or any type of uh, a theology that is not true. And, and you're almost there, but you're not there. Paul says, now. Now it's the time. Now it's the time to come back to Christ, to come back to the truth of the Gospel, to come back to where Jesus wants you to be. Now is the time to do that. You're almost there. And yet for many of you, you're walking with Christ. You're having your daily time. You love Jesus. You're worshiping the Lord. You're leading your family to Christ. You're leading your family to, to worship with Him. And you're, 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 you're not where you need to be because none of us are this side of heaven. You're, you're almost there. Your desire is to be just like Jesus and to walk in holiness and to walk in faithfulness. Guess what? Now is the time to continue on. And as Paul says, we learned last week and in the last two weeks some of those great texts of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And then verse 21 says, Now to Him who became sin for us, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be called the righteousness of God. He says, Now is the time, church. Now is the time, church, to be reconciled and to be changed and to stop playing with, with, with trying to follow the law and follow that teaching and that teaching. Now it's time to come back to the truth of the Gospel that changed your life. You're almost there. But there are many people today who will die almost going to heaven. They've heard the Gospel. They've had a chance to respond. And they almost did. And yet they die without Jesus. So let's look at our text this morning and see where the Lord takes us for these next few minutes. We then, verse 1, we then, Paul says, we as workers together with Jesus, with Him, we also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. I love how he starts off verse 1. Workers together, where we cooperate together, you understand that we're all in this together. When you celebrate, we celebrate. When you hurt, we hurt. When you miss, something is wrong. When you struggle, we struggle with you. We are in this together. We work together, not because we feel like it. And not because we're made to, but because we have the greatest message on the planet, and that's the message of Jesus Christ. So we work together to try to fulfill that message of the Gospel of Jesus. He says, we plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He says, not to turn away from the gracious opportunity that lies before you to trust in Jesus as your Savior. To, to turn away from what's placed right in front of you, everlasting life, eternal life, and to trust in Jesus. I'd say, for many of you, you're saved. He says, don't, don't plead with you, I beg with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. If you are saved, 
that you will be reconciled to Him and continue to change the, Christ, the change that Christ has put inside of you. To live that out and to work out the salvation with fear and trembling that Christ has put inside of you. He says, don't take that in vain. We have the greatest message on the planet. He says, don't take it in vain. Don't take the grace of God in vain. The first point this morning, they're not going to be on the screen, but three simple, three simple points this morning. Number one, it's time to embrace the message. It's time to embrace the message. He says we work together with Jesus and we beg. It's that present tense, not something that happened yesterday, but constantly plead with you. We beg of you not to take the grace of God in vain. Not to turn away. The Bible says in verse 2, he quotes Isaiah 49 verse 8. He says, in the acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold. Two times in verse 2, he says, now look, behold, now is the accepted time, and now is the day of salvation. Now is the opportunity. Today, you may be almost there, but today is an opportunity for you to respond Today is the day for you to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus as your Savior. Today is the day that you put away that childish sin that seems to be embracing your life. You put that away and you embrace the Gospel of Jesus. Now is the time to do that. We're almost there. But now, it is the opportunity that lies before you. The, the, the high privilege that we, is put in front of us to do that. So we embrace the message. But the second thing the text teaches us in verse 3 through 10, it's an interesting text where Paul opens up his heart. He says, You have called me a false teacher. You have said that what I teach is not true. He says, Let me tell you some of the things that I've dealt with, some of the things that's going on in my life. He says, Verse 3 We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in endurance or patience and tribulations and needs and distresses, in stripes and imprisonments, and tumults and labors and sleeplessness and fastings, by purity and knowledge and long suffering, by kindness and by the Holy Spirit, and sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, evil report and good report as deceivers and yet not true, as unknown yet well known, dying yet living, chastened and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making rich, having nothing yet possessing all things. Paul says, let me tell you a little bit about my life. And how he not only does he embrace the message, but number two, he endures the ministry. If Paul was a false teacher, do you think he would put up with some of the things that he went through in his life? No. Instead, he endured the ministry. You know, the best way, some of you play baseball, some of you, like many of us, used to play baseball. You know, the best way to never strike out? I mean, here, here's, here's, here's what, here is the, here is the uh, greatest uh, 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 encouragement to, to never, ever, ever strike out. I mean, none of us want to. So I want you to listen. Here's the best way to never strike out. Never play. 
You know the best way to never miss a basketball shot? Never shoot it. You know the best way to never finish a race? Don't start it. And the world tells you, just, let's do this. Let's, let's not do any. Let's not face any type of, of, of endurance in our life because we may fail. And even some of the best do, and they do all the time. And I want to encourage you this morning that in our ministry, in your ministry, in your church life, in your Christian walk, that you endure the hardships that are there. That we don't quit. That we don't go to the sidelines. But instead, we endure it. Because that's what Christ has put inside of us. That old saying, nothing happens to you that does not first walk through the hand of God. And He places that in your life. So you may be here today on this high tense day. Somebody may have, have, have encouraged you to come. Or somebody may have, have, have even maybe twisted your arm to come. And yet you're saying, I don't know about this church stuff. I'm just going through so much stuff. Paul says, let me tell you what I've gone through. Yet I'm on the front lines of the gospel of Jesus because of what He has done for me and the grace that He's given me every single day. So I endure the ministry. The Bible says in verse number 3, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. He says, I don't want anything in my life to be put out there that will cause you to stumble. I don't want anything in your life that will keep you from stumbling in your walk with Christ. There's nothing in our life. We give no offense that our ministry may not be blamed. Boy, that's a powerful verse. And you can't say anything about verse 3 unless you're walking close to Jesus. One of the greatest stumbling blocks of any Christian's life is when their talk does not match their walk or their walk does not match their talk. We come into the Lord's house and we praise the name of Jesus and we've got our Bibles open and we've highlighted it from left to right and pages are being ripped out and, and everybody knows that we know this book and we love this book and we go out there and we don't live the book. And we become a stumbling block to those who are almost there. Paul says there's nothing. We have endured everything. There's nothing in our life that, has, that we have put in front of you that has caused you to stumble. Our desires that you grow in your faith. We have given no offense to anything. Our ministry may not be blind. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and tribulations and needs and in much distress. He says we commend ourselves not because we have a seminary degree. We commend ourselves not because we're members of a so-and-so Baptist church. He says, we commend ourselves not because of our theology or our popularity or our personality or our success or lack of success. That's not what makes us tick. What makes us tick, he says, we commend ourselves as ministers of Almighty God. That's the reason why we tick. You are who you are because of the grace of God. Don't ever, ever forget that. So we endure the ministry. Let's look at some of these words. The first one there is the word, my translation, New King James uses the word patience. It's really the word endurance. Maybe that's what your text says, but it means to endure. It means bearing up under hard labor, surviving the shock of battle, and remaining steadfast at the point of death. We endure. And then he gives about four or five negative statements. Negative things that are going on in his life. The first one there is tribulations. Spiritual, physical, emotional suffering that he's dealing with in his life. The second word is the word needs. These are difficulties that attend life in a fallen world. The needs that we have because we're living in a sin-filled world. The third one is the word distresses. 
which means being confined to a narrow space, trials from which there is no escape. Would you today, would it be okay if you suffered spiritually? Would you be okay if the Lord put you in a space that is confined, like a prison cell? Would you be okay if you had needs in this world that because we live in a sin-stained world, Christ Jesus may put you in that. The greatest missionary who's ever lived. Paul says, I've been there. Let me tell you what I've endured. And Paul says, the reason why I'm telling you this is because I want you, I want you to come back to the grace of God. That what I'm teaching is not wrong. What I'm teaching is the truth of the Gospel. I would not go through this trouble in life if I didn't believe what I was teaching. If I didn't believe what I was preaching. He says, I beg you to come back. I beg you not to take the grace of God in vain. He gives three more threats externally. He says stripes in verse number 5. Paul says, I've took beatings for the gospel. Imprisonments. Paul says, I've been in prison because of the gospel. Tumults or riots or mob violence. Paul says, I've caused violence because of the gospel of Jesus. Not my intention. That's just what happens when people avoid the truth. He goes on about self-inflicted trials. He talks about his labors. The word there means hard work to the point of exhaustion. Sleeplessness. Paul says, I've missed sleep because of the ministry. Fastings. I've gone without food. I have hungered. Because of the truth of the gospel, I have endured the ministry that Christ has given me. He's asking the people, I want you to believe what I'm saying. Because my life is a reflection of the grace of God in my own life. He gives some positive qualities. He talks about purity in verse 6. A life and thought and motive and knowledge which is divine truth. Long-suffering, which is a tolerance for people. Kindness, which is goodness in action. The Holy Spirit, who empowers endurance. Sincere love, which is sacrificial love. The Word of truth, all the way down in verse number 7, by the Word of truth and the power of God and the arm of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Paul said, the only reason why I can do all of that is because of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and the armor of God in my life. I stand before you, church, as he says, and I write this letter as one who's been beaten, one who's been imprisoned, one who's lost many things, one who's given up sleep, one who has hungered, yet one who has the power of God, one who has the Holy Spirit of God, and one who has the armor of righteousness on both sides. Didn't he say in 521 that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be called the what? The righteousness of God. Paul says, now is the time. Now is the time, church, that you come back and you reconcile, that you do not take the grace of God in vain. So he's enduring the ministry. Verse 8, by honor and dishonor. There's a paradox in verse 9 and 10. Unknown. Or, or excuse me, going all the way back up to verse 8, the last part, or, or middle part of verse 8, by honor, dishonor, by evil report and good report. Deceivers and yet not true. Excuse me, as deceivers and yet true. As unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold we live. 
chastened and yet not killed, sorrowful yet rejoicing, poor yet making rich, having nothing yet possessing all things. This is a paradox of ministry. That as a believer, as the things you go through, people will look upon your life. In fact, you may even feel in your own heart that I have nothing. That all I'm doing is suffering. That this Christian life is not worth it. That I'm tired of getting made fun of. I'm tired of suffering. And I want, like Jeremiah says, I want to just quit. I want to just throw in the towel and go out and to live and to enjoy my life. Paul says that's not true. And although Jeremiah wanted to quit, Jeremiah chapter 20, he says, I can't do that because there's a fire in my bones. There is a fire in the bowels of my stomach that Christ has put inside of there when He changed my life. And although there are times that I want to throw in the towel as Paul is getting beaten, I wonder if he says, I just wish I could walk away and I'll never face that whip again. If I would just be quiet and not talk about Jesus, I'll never enter another prison cell again. If I can just close this letter and not write any more, then I will not have any more sleepless nights. I will not have to fast anymore. I will not have to do anything. I will not have to go out on this ship and go all over the world and live in tents and, 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 and depend on other people to support everything. We're doing. I won't do any of that anymore. Paul says, I can't do that. Because he says in verse 9, or verse 8, there are deceivers. Yet true, unknown to some, but well known to our Lord. Dying in this world, but living in Christ. Chastened or punished, but not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, He says, but I'm giving people the richness of the gospel of Jesus. Earthly, I have nothing. But with Jesus, I have everything. You know, now is the time. Now is the time, and I believe as a church family, there are so many different areas where you're at in your life where you're almost there. And as we learn from Paul this morning, now is the time. Not only to endure the ministry, but number three is to engage the mission. We embrace the message. We endure the ministry. We engage the mission. In the Christian life, there are no sidelines. It's the field of play. God never calls us to be bystanders. God never calls us to wait until it's your time to get in the game. You may not have the platform and you may not have the the ball in your hands, but you're in the game called Christianity and you're making a difference for Jesus. He says in verse 11, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak to you as children. You also be open.
Paul says there's nothing that we are doing that is restricting you. We've put the Gospel in front of you. We've told you how to live a life of integrity and of character. And now is the time that you open your heart and to engage in the mission that Christ has for you. Paul abandons the, the apostolic plural and he goes into this first person where he's, it's almost like as he's writing, he steps off the platform and he just comes down and he looks you right in the eye and says, Oh Corinthians, can you hear our hearts? That eternity can start today. And that there are people in this room that will walk in eternity and walk out of the presence of God and never, ever, ever, ever see the Lord Jesus ever again and spend eternity away from Him. It's time to engage the mission. Paul's heart is seen in the depth of his endurance for the Gospel. He's not attempting to be liked, but instead he's attempting that they respond to the heartfelt evidence that is before him. To respond to Jesus, whether it's through salvation, or whether it's to be reconciled and to come back to the King, to put away sin, and to put away unrighteousness, to put away lawlessness, and to come back to Jesus. You're almost there. But now the ball's in your hands. Now's the opportunity for you to respond. You may be like Joe Lee as we left Grenada and five minutes down the road, almost there. And you're a long way from where Christ wants you. Today is the time. And today, He can change your life. You may be like when we pulled into Holly Springs, almost halfway there, a little bit over halfway there. Almost there. You're striving. You're trying. And you're doing the best that you can with the Spirit of God. But now is the time for you to step it up. And to say, Lord Jesus, I need You. And I need the power of Your Spirit to help me. To take me to a different road in my spiritual walk. My quiet time is iffy. My prayer life is iffy. My church attendance is iffy. You're, you're, you're halfway there. Now is the time. Now is the time. And yet for some of you, you may be as we pulled in Corinth. We were almost there. I said, yeah. We're here. You know, in reality for all of us as believers, that won't happen until Jesus looks upon you and says, yeah, you're there. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have done well. You have run the race. You have kept the faith. And now there is laid up for you a crown of righteousness, which I, the Lord Jesus says, will give you. But not just to you, but to all those who love my appearing. You know who wrote that? Paul. Some 10, 15, 20 years after he wrote 2 Corinthians, guess where he was at when he wrote it? Dying in a jail cell. 
enduring the ministry, almost there to see Jesus. And he says it's been worth it every step of the way. Now is the time. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads all across this room. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond because now is the time. For some, you need to give your life to Jesus. You're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus. never repented of your sins. Today, would you open up your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I know today that I'm a sinner. And I believe that You died on the cross for my sins. And today, Lord, I open my heart and I ask You to save me. Change me today. Now is the time to give your life to Jesus. And right where you're at in the quietness of this moment, you can open up your heart and just pray to Him and He'll save you today. Christian, I want to encourage you today. The majority of people here today are believers. And that just because we get saved doesn't mean we stop. Really, we start. He that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now is the time for you to take a stand. Now is the time for you to turn from sin. Now is the time for you to begin to walk with Christ in a way that is honorable, one of integrity, one of character. You're almost there. And the Holy Spirit of God can encourage you and give you that power to continue on in your walk until you see Jesus face to face. Father, I love You today. And I pray for this invitation. Lord, all across this room, there are different decisions that need to be made. There are those, Lord, who have prayed and they've trusted in You today. Lord, they need to come. Give them the courage to step out and to come. Lord, there are others who have other decisions, Lord, and for their life, as, as You have spoken to them, now is the time. And God, as You speak, Lord, may we obey. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. I want you today just to stand with your heads bowed. And I want you to be praying, Christian. And as Miss Diane plays, friend, if you come, if you need to come, I want you to come. You may want to come and just pray. And say, God, now's the time. Now's the time I open up my heart. And I need to hear from you. You may have other decisions need to be made this morning. This invitation is for you. Now's the time. Why don't you come?